We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Matters podcast. I'm Dan Hewson. And I'm Laura Suter. And this week is a special episode because Danny has been chatting to a rugby icon about a big issue for a lot of women, which is how you mix a demanding career and family life. Yes, Katie Daly-McLean's story is unique. She started her career as a teacher. She went on to captain England Women Rugby Union team to World Cup glory and then decided to retire from her international career primarily because she wanted to help look after her daughter. She now juggles motherhood and coaching the Sale Sharks women's team. It's been a big change though and as I say she is clearly unique but her decision to make such a huge career change is something that a lot of women will understand. And right at the start of the Money Matters project, we did a lot of research and in it, it found that um, career choices around childcare and having a family had such a big impact on women's overall wealth. And whether that was taking bigger career breaks than men, whether it was returning to work part-time or shifting careers entirely to a sector or an industry that had more flexible hours or was more child-friendly. Now, these decisions are massively personal, Laura, uh, and ones just like Katie's story that you're about to hear, you know, everyone's going to be unique, but there are some really simple steps that you can take if you are thinking of starting a family, thinking about going back to work, or even checks that you can carry out if your kids are a bit older, just to see where you are when it comes to really important things like your pension. But we'll come to some of those later in the episode. First, let's hear from Katie Daly-McLean. Katie, for people that have been following your career, it might have come as quite a shock when you decided to retire. And retirement is not a word that's normally associated with somebody as young as you. Talk me through why you decided to do that and, and how that affected your finances. Yes, I suppose I'd be in a really fortunate uh, position. Um, Obviously, I've got a kind of a a range of background. Rugby was never going to be something that was going to be what I thought would never be uh, financially viable to do as a job. It was always a hobby. It was something that I loved. Um, So leaving school, went to uni, um, trained to be a teacher. So I always knew that I was going to have to balance work and rugby. Um, And then in 2014, we went. We had the opportunity to post the World Cup to go full time, so I could leave my teaching job and become a, a professional rugby player. Um, and at that point, at that point, probably the, the money wasn't wasn't great. It was probably just enough to survive. Um, as I got older, the finance and this the financial support around us as internationals got better. Um, yeah, and then in twenty, I think it was twenty nineteen, I kind of made the decision. As much as you refer to me as young in a kind of a rugby age, I, I was getting on. I was uh, what thirty four, um, and realistically, we just had our little girl, um, and that was really important. That for me, I didn't want to balance being away. Obviously, we were also going through the pandemic at that time, and and COVID had very much changed everything in in terms of how we live, how sport acted, kind of 
all the way that I'd been used to being rooming with players, being able to go out for coffee and socialise and kind of all those key bits when you're away from home that are really important had started to disappear just because of the safety aspect to the to the squad. Um, so sat down with family and kind of made the decision that actually I, I would step away from rugby. I think from a financial side, obviously that was my job. Um, I'd been really fortunate at that point that Sale had got our women's um, tender in the league and they'd come into the league six months earlier. Um, so I'd moved there and I was doing a bit of player coaching. So I was getting away from there, but nowhere near kind of the same amount of money that I was receiving from England. So for me, it was a, it was a big family discussion about, well, we can't continue. I can continue like this. I wasn't enjoying it as much. I didn't want to be away from the little one, like you said. Um, and also, I suppose the other fact from that is was childcare and how much we were paying for childcare as well. So for realistically, the little one would have had to go in five days because a rugby schedule doesn't fall on a normal working week. So it wasn't like uh, there would be some weeks that, yes, I'd be here Monday to Friday and could have her, but also there'd be some weeks where I'd be gone for potentially six weeks in and out on a random days. Uh, so realistically, we we're going to have to put her in full time, which pretty much would have what I was earning from England was, was basically our childcare bill. Um, so kind of the financial impact did really come into it as well, because actually I'd rather be around and parent it rather than pay for somebody else to do that. So I think actually when we sat down and spoke about it as a family, it made real sense. Our priorities had changed. It very much shifted for me in terms of where rugby was and, and where the family was. And, and they'd kind of swap places now. And that kind of was the big thing that led to that decision. A lot of women go through that point when a child comes into their life and they decide that career is going to take either a back seat or it's going to take a, a different path did you always think that that would happen how did you feel about that decision um I mean it's really interesting isn't it like you say I think almost as a woman it's like well that's what will happen because ultimately you would have children my wife had our little girl so we were in a, a, a different situation um but for me I think I, the opportunity was there rugby for us and, and sport is brilliant because there's always little avenues that you can explore I, I never thought I would go down a coaching path and actually, the opportunities that have presented itself to me was something that actually I thought I really want to stay in the game. I really want to be give be able to give something back, and I actually do quite enjoy it, which I never thought. So, as much as it was really scary at the the time, I, was like, I don't know. I'd been in a world where I was very comfortable. I knew what was expected of me. I knew what I would take home at the end of the month. I knew the different opportunities to earn more and and how that would look. Actually, stepping away from that and stepping into a very different role that I hadn't a lot less experience in because you think as well when I retired I'd been around in that England set for 10 12 plus years uh so something I was very comfortable in and basically I was almost going to the bottom of the ladder again and I'm still at the bottom of the ladder now working, <laughs> working my way back up uh so there was a lot of different things and I, and I think the other thing for me was a lot of my identity was wrapped in in rugby and, and who I was like that's what I did I, I played rugby I played rugby for England and actually stepping away from that um it's like well where does my identity now come from where do I find that so that was probably really scary as well it's it's an incredibly difficult time I think when you're trying to balance the emotions of, of being a mum and the guilt with being away and the emotions of being a woman and having a career are you content with where you're at now 
Yeah, I think so. I was, uh, that, I suppose, is the, the beauty of the type of person I am. Once I've made a decision, I've made a decision. And, and I don't, I'm very not really one for a big set of regrets. Um, I've got the opportunity to have Addy two days a week, which is amazing. So she has, still gets that childcare and that socialisation, but I get to spend two days with her. I'm still involved with the game I love in a very different capacity. And it's something that's just providing more challenge for me as well, which is in itself is great. So where I thought I'd kind of, reach the pit reach the peak in a, a bit of a pinnacle there almost like you said a bit of snakes and ladders come back down I'm now being challenged in a way where I, I can start to climb back up and learn more and and start again which in itself is brilliant and and I'm really well supported like they're getting the role that I've got at sale now um as well paid with pensions there's a lot more grown-up things within that as well because as an athlete it was never something that I thought about savings and pensions and retirement you you probably are very short-sighted and actually now getting into the, the real world of work, um, that's probably helped me for my future as well. So when you went into this real world of work, what bit surprised you about that sort of financial picture that you'd not maybe thought of before? I think from rugby, and this is the beauty, there is an opportunity to get like bonuses. So for playing, there's an opportunity to almost add to your salary. Um, when you come in more into the world of work, that doesn't really exist in the same in the same way um and I think for me it was probably just the the kind of the nature of when you're an athlete almost it'll take care of itself you have a lot of people that are in your corner to like if you need some advice you've got people to go to I think once you come away from that almost like I had to stand on my own two feet I had to think about life insurance I had to think about my pension I had to think about how I was going to manage manage my own finance uh I've got my own business that does other little bits of that so like tax returns all of those things that as an athlete you, you don't really think about because you have people who will support you I was like I don't know I understand any of this so that whole and that's to be honest I still don't but I've at least found people that again <laughs> that can that you and can support me um so I think that for me was uh it was a, a big eye-opener from being in professional sports so how did you go about finding people to to help you navigate that so uh, luckily, um, we've got a family friend that runs an accountancy firm. Um, and so it was the first case of kind of touching base with him and kind of saying, look, this is the situation I'm in. And he was like, my God, how have you managed like this? This is dreadful. So he kind of took that bit over and then manages <laughs> all the account stuff. But again, um, I suppose just I'd speak to people and be like, right, what do I, how do I sort all these things out? What is like, where do you go about finding life insurance and, and what are the best kind of policies for me? Um, so actually, like family have got um, somebody that they use. And, and it, I had a lot of advice from other people, I think. But actually, when I stepped away from it, there were a lot of things that I never thought about, um, especially financially, because you just you do what you do. And actually, there is other opportunities to make more money within that. Um, and, and when you're playing at that level, a lot of people want to support you as yeah. well. You were talking about the the snakes and ladders of your career. You're now obviously climbing the rungs of another ladder. Where do you think that might take you? Oh, great question. I, I think for me, like I, I have aspirations. I'm not particularly good at just sitting still. Uh, I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love just to be able to, to do something and just be quite happy with just doing it well. But I do have a, a really bad tendency of always wanting to know what the next thing is and what I'd like to achieve next. Uh, so like I, I love it I really enjoy my coaching role now like I probably do have aspirations realistically to I'd love to coach England one day I think that is kind of far far away down the track but 
we've had the opportunity to play for England and then potentially to go and go on and coach would be would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it now is about like just honing my craft. I almost feel like an like an under eighteen again, where you you've got so much to learn, and it's a case of just you've just got to spend time doing it. There's no really quick fix to it, um, and that's probably a little bit easier now that I'm older. I think when somebody said that to me when I was eighteen, I was like, well, that's just ridiculous. There must be a way of speeding everything up. Actually, when you're older, you kind of you know you've you've almost just got to go through it and get to the other side. It's funny, isn't it, how time changes on you? It really does. You work with a lot of women now, coaching them, helping them. Hopefully, one day, you'll be able to coach that England squad. When they come to you for advice, either about the game, playing the game, or if they come to you for advice about life, or just those difficult things about getting your finances in the right place to make sure that, you know, your long-term future is looked after, what what would you say would be the most important things? I think for me, it's just about not burying your head in the sand. I think that was probably a little bit of my go-to at times because I didn't really understand it um, and I didn't feel confident in that world. I always, I, like I say, I'd come out of a teaching job, so like tax was already all done. I never really had to live in that kind of self-assessment or anything like that so all of that wording and language was very strange and I think I probably just kind of ignored it a little bit um and actually my big advice to the girls is is like if you if you're struggling because go go find some advice go ask somebody because somebody will know and and just trying to give them workshops trying to give them opportunities so we've had insurance brokers in just to speak to them about the different types of insurance that they can get a lot of our girls work in fact most of them work so can they get a package there that if they were off work, that mortgage for long-term serious injuries, mortgages, bills are still being covered just by being a bit more organised and planned. And that, for me, I think is really important to them is to, for us as coaches and, and support staff to make sure we empower them as much as possible to make good decisions. Because what you don't want is them to something bad happen and all the kind of the house to come tumbling in. Because they've, I imagine are uh, juggling an awful lot of balls in the air and if they aren't able to catch one of those balls then you know it's more than just them that are affected yeah massively and exactly that isn't it they're working full-time we're asking more and more from them from a training perspective the competition standard of the league has massively increased so actually probably the their risk factors in terms of injury have increased just by the way the game's moved on um so I think for us yeah it's, it's trying to just take some of them balls off them and say look have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Are you managing yourself well? They get paid match fees. Have you made sure you've you've thought about self assessment? Those kind of things, and and just giving them a bit more kind of information. I think, let's say, the more information we give them, the more choices they have, and that can only be a good thing. So you closed a massive chapter of your book during COVID, and you opened another one during COVID. So you've had to meet new teams, new work colleagues, to really do all of the things that that normally is associated with seeing people in person, but you've had to do a lot of it remotely. How have you found that? Yeah, I mean, when Sale first got into the league, we we couldn't train in large groups. So when that first happened, um, what would that have been, like 2019, right as the pandemic was restarting to kind of gather speed I suppose post that march um we met we met in small groups of six we did a lot of things on zoom like I hadn't met our forward pack hadn't met some of the girls ever 
um, and we were all training in separate little bubbles. So yeah, it was. I think it it provided challenge, but it also provided opportunity. You know, there's still a lot of things that we do now, so we still do bits on Zoom rather than have everybody having to be together, just because it's a much quicker way and it's a better better use of time. So as much as the pandemic was was hard and and COVID was really really hard for new teams actually we found a lot of different ways of being able to engage the girls um and to still provide some kind of like team culture and, and team bonding within that so you think that hybrid method of doing things will, will probably continue and and does that help you then juggle your the things that you need to do as, as a mum alongside as a coach yeah massively and i think it helps everybody i think Sales really unique in terms of the distance we cover. We've got girls that travel from Anglesey. We've got girls in Wales. We've got girls up in Leeds and Harrogate. So our and girls in Keswick. So we've got quite a big radius we cover. So actually, the the Zoom things allow people to go about their day and us still kind of feed information to them without having to extend travel or getting them to do an extra night with us. Actually, we can still do review meetings. We can still do feedback meetings all now like this over the computer without having to make people travel so I think for us it's probably really helped our program in in some ways. And just thinking in terms of the future do you feel have you got any regrets from that time when you left I mean I know that you know normally there would be huge fanfares you would get to do things for one last time you actually had to to go back to Twickenham in order to have that send-off? No, and I was really lucky. Look, when I retired internationally, it was, it was the right time. Um, I think, would I have wanted to extend it for that? No, not really, because I, I think my time would come in a white shirt. Got to play at home. I got to play at Twickenham all last time. I played. Uh, got to Captain England, which was amazing. And then, obviously, to go back there for the Barbarians game to a full house, to a crowd like that, um, that kind of was the icing on the cake. Um, but I suppose if we flip back to my career, I suppose the biggest thing, in, especially what we're talking about in terms of money and, and finance, I probably wish I'd done a bit more saving. I wish somebody is a, we'd got more information when I was younger, going into a squad at 18, 19, just about, because I, I literally, I was a spender, I probably still am, still am a spender actually, but I wish at that time we'd been given more advice about money and how to manage money, because I just, just don't think it was talked about. Uh, and I think for me, for for some of our young girls now, I think it probably would be invaluable for them to have that information and just to know, the, the again, the choices that they have on the table and what it can mean for later life if they want to go and buy a house and, and how much easier that would be if they don't have the expenditure you have as when you become a grown-up. It's funny, isn't it, that there are so many things now that are talked about that you wouldn't expect to be talked about, relationships, and yet, money is still quite a taboo subject yeah massively it, it just I think for me especially for now like we've got young girls going into an international set who've come out of college potentially haven't gone to university yet and they're on full-time good salaries uh, still potentially living at home with their parents and I think that's probably one where like you say it still is a bit of a taboo subject how can we support them better to ensure that they're making good choices and, and, and just also that they have information if we give them information, they still choose to act in the way they, they want to act. That's fine. But I think for us, certainly my group, we didn't have any information. And nobody really talked to us about savings and ACEs and how, different ways of how we could manage our money and what we could do at that point. 
especially as a young, as still a teenager at that point, 18-year-old girl. Because it's exciting at 18 to get that first wage packet and see that actually it's a really good wage packet and uh, I'm going to go have fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. I want, I'm want. i going to go out and eat. I'm going to have, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go away on holiday. Um, and actually it would have been a very probably small proportion to put away. But if I probably had done that for five, six, seven years, it would have been much later, much easier later on. But again, like you say, it just wasn't spoken about. Nobody spoke about money. Nobody spoke about the opportunities to save it or what you could do with it, invest it, etc. Um, yeah, so I think definitely, and I think probably that still is the case in sport today, probably isn't spoken about enough in terms of what you can do with it and how fortunate we are. Katie, it's been really lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Now, it is just brilliant that women like Katie and Olympic triathlete Georgia Taylor-Brown want to talk to us so honestly about money. And if you did miss Georgia's podcast, do take a look at our back catalogue. And Laura, you know, clearly there are not going to be that many women wanting to retire at 34, which is what all the headlines said when uh, uh, Katie made that decision. Um, But there will be lots of women for whom having a child will alter their career paths, even if it's just for a little while. Um, I kept working when I had my children, um, but I was lucky enough to go part-time for a few years when they were small. And I know that research that we carried out found that almost a third of women take a career break at some point in their lives, and, and more than half tied in with having a family. But what's really important is that 41% of those said that the career break had negatively impacted their finances. And every family setup is different and and there's no one situation that's that's the same across families or one situation that's right for each family. Um, Some parents will continue to work full time, uh, some will split childcare 50-50, um, some will have family help, which reduces the impact of the financial cost of childcare, uh, where others don't. And so we don't want to talk about a kind of classic scenario or that women always give up work, because that's certainly um, not the case. That's not what I've done um, since having children. Um, but I think that there are some good tips and some good um, kind of guidance that we can run through that will help people across a lot of those different situations, whatever route you pick. Um and I think a lot of it is in the planning, right? It's a, it's about deciding what route you're going to take or what route you think you might take um, and then planning around that, particularly with the finances. It's pretty easy to understand that when you find out you're having a kid or when you first go off on maternity leave, maybe your number one thought isn't about your pension contributions or <laughs> what will happen to your bonuses. Um, it's probably more how am I going to have this baby and keep it alive afterwards? But <laughs> um, I think some of that, that planning can really help further down the line and can help, um, Danny, to your point, that figure of, of those people that felt that um, having a career break negatively impacted their finances, it can help mitigate some of that. Um, so I think the first thing probably to think about is maternity pay, maternity leave, um, how long you plan to have off, how much of that you're going to get paid for, and whether that's at the statutory government rate, which is a kind of around £150 a week, um, or if your employer offers enhanced pay and how long for. And I think it's a good idea to work out how long you want to have off, the financial impact of that, whether it's affordable, and then how you're going to meet any shortfall um, in your income during that time. 
because you know you get all these books don't you Laura about how to look after your child and then how to wean your child but certainly on my coffee table there wasn't a book about how to look after your finances when you're off with your child and it was probably about the last thing that I was thinking about and yet it was a huge change for me and it's not a single game you do have to get your partner involved you have to talk to them yeah and I think there's a lot of aspects like speaking from personal experience there's some elements um about being on maternity leave and, and that drop in pay that I didn't necessarily take into account so things like um you don't get uh pension contributions necessarily paid for the entire of that time um you also some companies won't pay bonuses or won't pay part of your bonuses uh while you're off which for if we think about um the finance career which we obviously work closely with think about like asset managers and people like that they will have a lot of their income based on bonuses or anyone that works on commission for example um so it's elements like that that i think you really need to think about ask um hr Kind of make your HR team your friend if possible um, and to get more information from them so that you're armed with all the information so that you know the financial impact of the decisions that you're making. Um, and then it's really about working out how to meet that shortfall. So whether that's saving before you go off, if you've got the time and the, um, the available money to do that, um, but also starting these conversations with your partner early on. If you've, if you've got a partner through this, then it's about having those chats with them laying bare this is the amount that I'm going to be bringing in and this is the shortfall um, and how you're going to meet those costs and I think if you start that early on then it makes discussions around things like when you return to work if you're going back part-time and therefore on a reduced income it makes that conversation easier or the astronomical cost of childcare, how you're going to meet that as a couple um, rather than women feeling like their salary has got to equate to childcare costs and they've got to um, pay for that burden themselves. And I bet you did all of this planning before you went off on maternity leave. I certainly didn't. And it came as an absolutely huge shock for me when I got my pay packet. And, and I was lucky because we had enhanced maternity pay for four months and then two months where I got statutory maternity pay. And I was trying to do it all. I was trying to continue to pay my way and my part of the mortgage and yet I was bringing in less money. And I remember one day just looking at my bank account and just thinking, I don't have enough money. And at that point, big row with my husband and a very emotional conversation about money and, and what the next few months were going to look like. And then deciding that I wanted to go back and work part time. So actually, we were going to be in this situation for much longer. And if I knew then what I know now I would have made such different choices and I would have started those conversations much earlier it, it would have been a huge help and I think part of it I think the, the you're right I went into it probably I guess savvier than the average person just because of my job um also I was kind of the last one in my group of friends to have kids so I think I'd learned a lot from um them particularly when it came to kind of returning to work um but I think one big factor I didn't consider, I thought about all of the kind of bills and the mortgage and all of the kind of serious, more boring stuff. I didn't really factor in the fact of what kind of maternity leave I wanted to have. And, and if I wanted to go to things like baby classes, sometimes they cost a bit more. Or if I wanted to go out for coffee with friends from um, my NCT group, that, that that would cost money as well. Now, 
fortunately, I think unfortunately, but the pandemic came along and that really reduced the cost of my maternity leave because <laughs> I couldn't get but um, towards the end when that opened up I think I hadn't really thought about some of those more lifestyle aspects I thought about um, paying to clothe the baby and the various paraphernalia they need and um, keeping a roof over our heads but um, not actually if I wanted to go out and have fun and do different things then to factor in the cost of that as well. It it is really hard Uh, and the other thing I think if if women are now in a position where their children are a bit older, um, they've perhaps gone back to work part time, maybe they're now thinking about going back full time, maybe they've gone back full time. And something that we don't tend to think about is how much we're going to not invest into our pension during this time. But there are some quite good steps that you can take just to check where you are. Yeah, exactly. So um, we're aware that we've got kind of a a broad listenership and um, lots of people might be way past that and think, well, it's a bit late for me now. I didn't save ahead of time. I didn't budget for that. I didn't think about those things. But that doesn't mean to say that um, all is lost. So I think um, my mum was a classic case of this. So she took a very long career gap between kind of living abroad and having kids. She went back to work when I was eight. Um, and then she had no pension at that point. Um, and so she then worked her way up in her career, which took a while. Um, and then towards retirement, she was funneling a load of money into her pension um, because she just didn't really have any pension provision. Um, now, fortunately, they were in a position where she could do that at that point. But obviously, as we know, the money that you put in when you're younger has longer to grow. Um, so I think it's really about thinking if you're past that, that that stage of kind of having kids, you've maybe come out the other side, they're at university, you feel like you've got a bit of breathing space financially. Um, it's about thinking what what the impact of those decisions might have been and how you can maybe try and rectify it. So it's things like looking at your pension, plugging the information into one of those handy online calculators, which will tell you kind of roughly how much that might be to live on in retirement and, and really thinking about whether that's enough, whether you can spare some money to um, to bolster that. Because even though the money you put in when you're younger has longer to grow, that doesn't mean that it's not worth putting money in, even if you're only kind of 10 years away from retirement. And we've got a great um, podcast episode on this that you can go back and look at, which covers some of the kind of particularly focused on pension issues when you're kind of nearing retirement. Um, But it's things like looking at that, looking at national insurance contributions that you've made. So if you've taken a career break, um, you might have some gaps in your national insurance um, record. It's about going back and looking at that, whether you have gaps, whether it's worth paying to kind of fill those up, um, because that obviously relates to how much state pension you'll get. Um, And it's kind of thinking about how you can, how you can, um, not necessarily rectify mistakes, but how how you can um, bolster your pot and, and kind of come out financially better off now. And as Katie said, you know, she wishes that she'd made some different choices when she was younger, when she had a, a lot of money and she was just spending it on holidays and going out and really enjoying life. And, you know, I was in the same boat, but I hope that when my kids to university and start their first job because I'm having conversations with them now maybe they will be a bit more savvy with their money but you know it it is never too late as you say to start saving and hopefully this episode has given you plenty to chew over huge thanks to our special guest Katie Daly-McLean for sharing her story 
as we always say, you know, do get in touch. We want to hear your stories. We want your thoughts, your comments, your questions. And you can find us uh, on Instagram, ajbellmoneymatters, or you can email us, moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. And do leave any feedback or a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we will be back soon. Thanks for listening. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.